with me this morning at this time as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter number 6. Looking in the book of Matthew, chapter number 6, we're going to read the first six verses. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need... Don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Verse 5, Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. The title of my message this morning is Check Your Motives. Check Your Motives. Father, I just pray today that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray that you will give us ears upon our heart today. Help us to hear today. Speak to us today. God, I pray that you will use this message today Use this messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray that we will leave this room better because we have heard your word. Not only have we heard it, but we have decided to apply what we hear. We ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. Well, you may be reseated this morning. I have a question for you today. And the question is, why do you do what you do? Why do you give? Why do you go? Why do you do what you do? What is your motive? Why do you pray? Why do you praise? You know, I have actually known pastors and evangelists that did not go to church when they weren't speaking? Did you know I I, I have actually known musicians and singers who did not go to church if they were not on the schedule? Why do you do what you do? What is your motive? See, see, here's what I know. Here's what I know. God is more interested in the why than he is the what. I'm going to say that again this morning. God is more interested in the why than he is the what. 
Now, now people on the other hand, now, now, now we get all impressed when somebody sings good. We get all impressed about some speaker who speaks well. We get all excited about someone who gives a gigantic gift. Or, or we get all excited about when somebody does something impressive. But God looks beyond the what and examines the why. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, the Bible says that man judges by what he sees on the outside. But God looks upon the heart. Motives come from the heart. Our motives reveal what is actually on the inside of us. You see, talent and ability, that's all outward, but but motives are from within. So let's talk about motives today. Let's begin about by talking about wrong motives. Let me just give you a couple of wrong motives this morning. Number one is to be recognized. To be recognized. Jesus said, we read it in Matthew 6, Jesus said, don't go or give or do just to be recognized. Just to feed your ego. Just in order to parade yourself before people and make yourself look good. I had a man in my church years ago, not in this church, but years ago, another church that I pastored, and he, he never came to prayer meeting. Never came to prayer meeting. And yet he loved to grab the microphone on Sunday morning when all of the people were there and get all spiritual in front of the crowd. He loved to try and make himself look good in front of a big crowd. This man, from time to time, would deal me misery in private, but would appear to be very supportive of me in public. His motive was to be recognized. I know you can't tell it by looking, but my wife and I have been in ministry now for over 40 years. Now, there are a couple, only a couple, but there are a couple of places where we have gone in ministry that we are just not convinced 100% was God's will that we were led there. I really can't tell you yes or no, but I wonder, my wife, I I can't wait until I get to heaven so I can ask God about these places. A few days ago, my wife and I were sitting around the kitchen table and we were visiting with our son and daughter. We have some incredible, intense fellowship when my wife and me and my son and daughter, because we are all highly opinionated and we go at it. Nobody's upset, but it, you know, it's intense, you know. 
And we were having some intense fellowship, and we were talking about a lot of different things just a few days ago. And, and we began to talk about places where we had been, and, and my wife and I began to talk about these couple of places, and, and the fact that we were puzzled about whether or not God actually led us to these places or not, or if somehow did we just not get there on our own. And my wife said to me about one of these places, she said, I know why we went there. Praise God for you. It ain't praise God for me. You ain't heard what she said. (laughs) My wife said, I know why we went there. She looked at me and she said, we went there because it fed your ego. (laughs) Ouch. Oh, it's a big one, Elizabeth. (laughs) Coming to join you, honey. (laughs) See, See, this church was three times bigger than the one where we were presently at. And they pursued us. We had not sent a resume. We didn't even know the church needed a pastor. We knew nothing about it. They totally, completely came after us and pursued us. And my wife said to me, this was a big church to us at the time. Three times bigger than the one that we were at. And we went there because it fed your ego. Maybe so. Honestly, before God, I I don't know for sure. I do know that I prayed much about it. I do know I asked God to... To just squeak a hinge on the... He didn't have to shut the door. Just squeak the hinge and I'll run away. There wasn't even the slightest squeak of a hinge. It was wide open. I don't know. I want to find out and ask the Lord. I also know that it did feed my ego. And if you don't think you have one, you've got other problems. <laughs> Why do you do what you do? What is your motive? Two wrong motives. Number one is to be recognized. Number two is to be rewarded. Jesus said to some of his followers in John chapter 6 and verse 26, he said, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood my ministry. Jesus was saying, the only reason why some of you are following me is because of what you can get from me. Now, the Bible clearly teaches that that those who give will get. Luke 6 and 38, Jesus said, give and you will receive. And he went on to say, the amount you give will determine the amount that you receive. So it's clear, it is clear uh, that those that give will get. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, Paul says, Whatever you sow, that you will also reap. 
But our motive for giving, our motive for going, our motive for doing is not so that we can be rewarded. Yes, we will be rewarded every single time. If we do it with the right motivation, if we give or go or do, we will be given back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But that's not our motive. See, this is the way we ought to look at it. We don't give in order to get. But we get in order to give. I'm talking about wrong motives right now. I've given two of them to you. Number one, to be recognized. Number two, to be rewarded. Now let's look at some right motives. Talk about right motives. The first one this morning I want to talk about is, is the motive of love. Love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. Paul writes and he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... He said, if I have not love, he said, I'm become sounding brass, a clanging cymbal. He said, and though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and, and though I have all faith so that I could, I could remove mountains, but if I do not have love, he said, I am nothing. And he said, and though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned, but I have, but have not love, he said, it profits me Nothing. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying that the why is more important than the what. He says in verse 1, he says, Eloquence without genuine love is just a bunch of irritating noise. Now, some of you have favorite uh, celebrity uh, preachers. Most of them are genuine. But not all of them. Some of, some of the celebrity preachers that are on television and radio, some, some who, uh, of them, they, they appear one way on stage and yet they are quite the opposite off stage. They have huge followings. Oh, gigantic ministries because of their charisma, because of their ability, because of their talent. And man places them on a pedestal. They, they buy their books. They buy their, you know, their CDs or whatever that they're selling. Man, man puts them on a pedestal. Man applauds them. And, and everybody else, you know, is judged by, by these. That's the standard. And yet some, not all, yet some, though they have great charisma and great ability and great appeal, though they're able to draw huge crowds, in reality they have no genuine love for God and no genuine love for people. So in God's ears, they are just an accumulation of hot air. And God, all he hears from them is a bunch of irritating noise. Paul said in verse 2, he said, power and perception minus genuine love equals zero. No matter what you know or what your ability, Paul said minus genuine love in God's eyes equals nothing. And he says in verse number 3, sacrifice no matter how Enormous 
unbelievable the sacrifice is. But he says sacrifice not done by the motive of love. He said will yield no profit. So what? We're talking about motives this morning. What should be our motive for giving? What should be our motive for going? What should be our motive for doing? Love. Love for God. And love for people. Let's look another at another right motive this morning. How about the motive of compassion? First John chapter 3 and verse 17. If someone has enough money to live well and they see a brother or a sister that is in need, and yet they show no compassion for them. John says, how can God's love be in that person? You see, compassion should motivate us to give and go and do. And we need to understand what compassion means. Compassion doesn't just mean to feel sorry for somebody. That's sympathy. But compassion goes a step further. Compassion has sympathy. Compassion includes feeling sorry for somebody. But true compassion takes the next step, which is to do your best to help alleviate the need. The Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion for people. So I ask you this morning, he was moved with compassion. Does that mean that Jesus, Jesus uh, would just say to the hungry, I'm sorry you're hungry? No, he fed them. Did Jesus just say to the sick, I, I sure hate to see you suffer? No, no, no. No, he also healed them. So, so compassion should drive us to give. Compassion should drive us to go. Compassion should drive us to do. Mother Teresa was seen putting medicine on an open, hideous wound of a leper. Someone yelled out to her, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. Mother Teresa responded, Neither would I. But what a million dollars could not motivate her to do, compassion could. Check your motives this morning. We're talking about right motives right now. Another one is a desire to please God. A desire to please God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4 says that we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God. What is our purpose? Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our heart. So Paul says here that one of our motives for doing what we do is that we would be pleasing to God. Now, I want to be abundantly clear this morning. I don't want to be misunderstood this morning. Listen, hear me this morning. Hear me clearly. Our conduct does not make God love us more or less. But it does please Him or displease Him. 
You see, the truth of the matter is there is absolutely nothing that you or I this morning, there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more. And there's nothing that we can do to make God love us less. But our actions, both positive and negative, will bring Him either pleasure or displeasure. Now, as a parent, I love my kids unconditionally. There is absolutely nothing that my son or my daughter can do or not do that will affect my love for my son and my love for my daughter. It's absolutely unconditional love. But their actions can certainly affect my emotions. And my emotions at that moment will certainly affect my, how I respond to them. They will never ever cease being my child. No matter what they do or don't do, they will always be my child. There will never come a time when they will not be my child. And they will never ever lose my love. No matter what they do or don't do, they will never ever lose my unconditional love that I have for them. But I still have the capacity to get ticked off at them from time to time. There are times when I feel more warm and fuzzy towards them than at other times. Sometimes warm and fuzzy, I can't even think of it at the time. And mostly when they were growing up as kids. And although these times don't affect my love for them, they do affect my generosity towards them at the moment. (laughs) As God's children, we, we cannot make Him love us more. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. And there's absolutely nothing that we can do to make God love us less. He loves us with an unconditional love. We need to understand that. And yet we can please Him or we can displease Him by what we do or don't do. And His pleasure or displeasure with us can certainly affect His generosity towards us at the moment. Pastor, you got any Bible for that? Yeah, that's the only place I go to get my sermons. All you got to do is read about God's dealing with the children of Israel. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 1 says, We urge you to live in a way that pleases God. So I'd encourage you this morning, before you make a decision to do or not do something, to get involved or not get involved in something, ask yourself this question. Oh, you know, most people just, you know, well, will this send me to hell? Stop asking that question. Get me on that question. And ask the question, will this please or displease God? See, I don't want to just go to heaven. I don't want to just get out of hell. Yes, that's most important. But more than that, I want to be pleasing to my heavenly Father. I want my heavenly Father to be proud of me. 
Try, I'm not living my life trying to see how close to the edge I can get without falling off into hell or see how, you know, oh, whatever I can get away with and what I can get by with. No, no, no. No, it is in my heart. Amen. I want to I wanna bring glory to my God. I want my God to be proud of me. I want to please my Heavenly Father. Why do you do? Why do you give? Why do you go? Well, one motive is to please God. Notice another right motive. The will of God. The will of God. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See, one of our main motives for giving, for going, for doing, should be so that we can fulfill the will of God. Well, you might say, well, pastor, how how do I know what the will of God is? Perhaps the number one question that people ask when given an opportunity to ask a question is, well, how do I know the will of God? Well, I need an hour to teach you. I don't have an hour this morning. Somebody said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let me just give it to you in capsule form. In order to know what the will of God is, ask yourself three questions. If you want to know what the will of God is for your life, ask God these three, ask these three questions. Ask yourself, number one, what do the scriptures say? If you want to know the will of God for your life, ask yourself, what do the scriptures say? What what does the Bible tell me to do? Do what the Bible says for you to do and you fulfill the will of God. Oh, that's so hard, isn't it? We make the will of God so hard, it's not hard at all. Just ask yourself, what do the scriptures say? What does the Bible tell you to do? Whatever the Bible tells you to do, do it, and you do it. You're doing the will of God. Ask yourself, what does the Bible tell you not to do? Well, it says don't murder. It says don't commit adultery. And on and on. What does it tell you not to do? Don't do it. And you're doing the will of God. Well, that's hard. Three questions, trying to find the will of God. Number one, ask yourself, what do the scriptures say? Number two, ask yourself, what does the Spirit say? What does the Spirit say? You see, the Holy Spirit lives inside of every believer. And He speaks to every believer, not just prophets, pastors, and evangelists. He speaks to every believer, not necessarily audibly, but he speaks on the inside. And he speaks through nudges. You know, just that little nudge. How many understand what a nudge is? He speaks through nudges. He speaks through impressions. He speaks through that inner, still, small voice. Just, you can't explain it, but... You heard it. Always. Say always. Always. 
Always check the Spirit's voice with the Scripture. Because the Holy Spirit will never contradict or never will violate Scripture. And so let me tell you this morning that if the inner voice you hear or if the nudge or the leading or the prompting or the impression that you have, if it does not line up with Scripture, then it is not the Spirit speaking or leading you. Third question to ask. What do the saints say? Saints? I don't mind questions. It means you're awake. Better than you did last week, brother. He's my buddy. I can pick on him because he picks on me. And he didn't even hear it. He still don't know I'm talking about him. What do, the, what do the saints say? Ask yourself, what do the saints say? You see, every single one of us, we ought to have some mature godly saints in our life. Mature godly saints that we know that have proven themselves that we can go to for godly counsel. Now, it could be your pastor. It could be uh, a mature staff member. Um, it could be a deacon. Uh, it could be uh, some older saint in the church. Uh, somebody that's got a few notches in their belt. Somebody that's walked a few miles. You know. So when making a major decision, select a mature godly saint. Actually, get more than one. And go to them and seek their counsel and lay it out before them and see what they say. Always. Say always. Did I say sometimes? Did I say part of the time? Did I say most of the time? What did I say? Always. Always place what the saints say beside what the scripture says. And if what the saints say contradicts what the scriptures say, the saints are wrong. End of story. They're wrong. Why should we do what we do? In order to fulfill the will of God. All right, let's talk about one more this morning. It's not, not, not all of that we need to talk about. It's all we've got time for this morning. The last in our list of right motives is thanksgiving. What we do, what we give, where we go, should be motivated by Thanksgiving. The Old Testament saints were expected to give a thanksgiving offering. An offering that was motivated by a, by a heart of thankfulness. Second Chronicles chapter 29 verse 31 says, Bring your sacrifices and thanksgiving offerings to the temple of the Lord. And the Bible says, So the people brought them. Can I be perfectly honest with you this morning? 
How many know I'm going to anyway? You might as well give me permission. I'm going to do my best to be kind this morning. But I just don't understand people who get all bent out of shape about the tithe and the offering. I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, the church today just takes too many offerings. You better be thankful you live today and not back in the Old Testament. Read that Old Testament. I don't know how they had anything left. (laughs) Read it. They had the tithe, but they had offering, 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 you know, wave offering, sheave offering, Thanksgiving offering. I mean, you just go, it's just amazing. I don't understand people who get all bent out of shape about the tithing because God owns it all anyway. And He gives us everything we have anyway. No way, Pastor. I work hard for what I get. It's mine. Who gave you your job? I'm getting there, brother. I'm not sharing the offering with you this morning. Who gave you your job? Who gave you the knowledge and the strength and the ability to do your job? Who do you think gave you favor to get the job? You think you elected me as your pastor? That's part of the process. I'm here because God opened the door for me. He aligned my footsteps, my circumstances. He aligned my relationships. It was a relationship that got me here. But ultimately, it ultimately, thank you, I got three fans, amen. Ultimately, it was, it was the favor of God. That might be a joke when you think about it. <laughs> Maybe God didn't like me very much after all. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm having, some of you don't know a clue what I'm talking about. Just telling you what we have now is not what we had then. All right? Okay. All right. All right. Who gave you the, who gave you the, who opened the door for you? Aligned your footsteps, your circumstances, your relationships. Pastor Houston, I'll never forget how you got here. My my seniors' ministers left the church, and I had no one to fill the spot. I just thought in my mind, well, surely in this big old metroplex, there's got to be a retired minister somewhere that just is not, you know, they don't want the load of a pastorate. They don't want the pressure of being a pastor, but they still love people, still want ministry, and I don't have any money to pay them, but maybe they can, you know, maybe they're, you know, they're retired, so they don't need any money. And so I just went on the district website and looked, looked there, and, and there was a big old long list of, of about that long of, of, of different ministers wanting to minister, whatever, 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 whatever. And I'm looking down that list. I don't know any of them because I hadn't been here very long. I didn't know anybody in the North Texas district. But all of a sudden, this name just jumps out off, off, of, the, off of the screen, Houston McDaniel. Boom. Houston McDaniel. 
I'll try and make this short. But I call, I call this gentleman right here. I say, I'm Mike Benson. I pastor Bethel Assembly. And I'm in need of a seniors pastor. And I just got a handful of them. And, and I don't have any money. I can't pay you anything. And who wouldn't want a job like that? I mean... <laughs> I didn't do that. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I didn't do that. No, I'm sorry. Just rewind. It's been a while. Over nine years ago when this happened. Houston McDaniel. Houston. I'm going to call that. Yeah, that's what I said. I'm going to call him. I'm going to talk to him. So, a couple weeks go by. I hadn't called him because I got stuff to do. We'll call him. Don't call him. I go to a minister's meeting. The meeting's already in progress. It's a sit-down eating meeting. I could sit anywhere in that room. But I just, go sit down. And so we're eating, we're visiting, and there's this couple sitting in front of me. And I introduced myself, and they introduced themselves to me. And he says, I'm Houston McDaniel. And I'm thinking, Houston McDaniel, I've heard that name, I've heard that name. It's one of those names, you know, uh, Billy Graham and <laughs> Houston McDaniel. I'm eating. I'm visiting. It dawns on me. I looked at him. I said, do you have a little ad on the, the district about opportunity for ministry? You know? He said, I do. I never met him in my life. I could have said anywhere. He's right across from me. I said, can I talk to you after the meeting? Long story short, here he is sitting there. When I think of all that, that God has given to me, salvation through his one and only son, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, his word, my wife, my kids, my grandkids. Have I told you about my grandkids? <laughs> my job, my home, food, clothing, friends, joy, peace, happiness. Listen, friend, everything that I give, everything that I do, everywhere that I go, how can these things not be motivated by thanksgiving? You might think that you deserve all of your blessings. Listen, I don't think I deserve what I have. And it's just not in my sermon this morning to make me sound. I'm telling you, I do not think I deserve what I have. But I sure am thankful. I sure am And I can honestly tell you before God that hardly a day ever goes by that I don't thank God for his supernatural provision. He 
is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. Colossians 2 and 7 teaches us that we should overflow with thanksgiving. Why do you do what you do? Why do you go where you go? Why do you give what you give? It ought to be because all of it coming out of an overflow of thanksgiving because God has been so good to you and you are so grateful and you are so thankful for the incredible blessing of God that you don't mind paying your tithe. You don't mind giving an offering. You don't mind giving and going and doing it. And then because your heart it just overflows with thanksgiving because your God is an awesome and an incredible and an unbelievable God. Would you stand to your feet and give the Lord a round of thanksgiving offering of praise this morning? title of my message today is check your motives. Why do you do what you do? Do you just do it to be recognized? Do you just do it to be rewarded? Those are wrong motives. Why do you do what you do? Hopefully you do it because of love. Hopefully you do it because of compassion. Hopefully you do it because you have a desire to please God. Hopefully you do it because... It's the will of God. And hopefully you do it because of thanksgiving. These are right motives. Father, I thank you for the word of God that we have heard this morning. I just pray today, God, that you will help us today to examine our lives today. God, help us to see the wrong motives that we have in our life. Help us, Father, Lord, to repent of those wrong motives and help us to make sure that we have right motives all for the glory of God, in Jesus' name.